Fitzy and Kyrie on WEEI. Did you have any thoughts coming off the field today that today was could maybe the last time you played a game at Gillette Stadium? Yeah, I took a moment. You know, I'll go spend some time with my family on the field. It's been a great run. And uh, to come out here, if this was the last, the last one, I think, to be able to, to leave Gillette with a win, very similar to how my first ever game was a win. So, you know, I've had a lot of fun. These guys have been awesome to go out here and compete with. You know, you never know how football goes, but uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it before the game. And, you know, just now, give a high five to the Minutemen, something I've done over and over and over again after wins, to just kind of think about that and, and let that settle in. You know, just trying to make sure I just stay in the moment and enjoy it. But uh, definitely gave it a few seconds today. Patriots corner, excuse me. Actually, yeah, he was Patriots corner and mostly safety Devin McCourty speaking after yesterday's 23-21 win over the Miami Dolphins at Gillette Stadium. Man, I didn't expect to get put up in my feels here, but I listened to D-Mac talking like that, and I'm like, I might only see D-Mac play one more time. Like, you guys got to you gotta win. Like, whatever happens in the playoffs, win for Slate next Sunday. Win for D-Mac next Sunday. If Bill Belichick kept these guys around because they are representative of the Patriot way as he's trying to build Bill Belichick's Patriots 3.0, send them out proud. Send them out with a bang, send them out with a big win. And then whatever happens in the playoffs happens in the playoffs. But you can't go up to Buffalo and be like, hey, Slate, hey, D-Mac, great career. Uh, you know, nice 34-13 on the way out the door. The, you know, uh, your your engraved watch uh, and your locker room plate are waiting for you on the bus. I mean, I, I feel like that was an undercurrent of the locker room feeling yesterday mm-hmm. was that, I don't know. It, it felt like obviously there's more energy, there's more happiness and such when you win versus when you lose anyway. But I do think, I mean, some guys were, were talking about it, right? The fact that like this guy's been here you know, so many years longer than I have. And when I came here, it's like he was still, you know, had the green dot on the helmet. He's still leading. He's the guy, you know, him and him and Matthew Slater, the ones that talk in the pregame huddle and everything. It's like they, they've been such a tandem this entire time. And yep. This, Slate arrived in 2008. DMAC arrives in 2010. And I found it so interesting earlier in the year. I, I remember asking Dietrich wise jr. About this. And he has a bit of a, a leadership tree kind of stemming from. Yes, he does. Yeah. He's he Dietrich wise jr. Is you don't get to hear from him too often. He's awesome. I absolutely love every occasion to hear from him, to have spoken with him. Dietrich Wise Jr. is just a dynamite, great football player. Really coming to his own this year, but he's a dynamite person. He's he's he's, an, he's a much he's an even better guy than he is a football player, and he's a very important football player on this team. But I remember asking him about the the leaders that he learned from, and the fact that now he's a captain, he kind of gets to put that forth. And he's talking about you know the Gerard Mayo's and. And you know the, the Devin McCourties, the Dante Hightowers, and, and just this this amazing tradition, really, of of these these elder statesmen in the locker room that he's gotten a chance to sit around and be around, and now he gets to be that guy for for other people. And it's just you know, guys can't play forever. 
and you know they it, it's well, amazing there's someone in Tampa who's trying to prove otherwise. Yeah, I know, right? But it, it's it's amazing that they have held up and and played the game at this high of a level for as long as they have. Meaning Devin McCourty and and Matthew Slater, and they're still productive members of this football team as they you know get into their you know mid to late thirties. I mean, it, it's it's exceptional stuff, you know, to go through that punishment all the time. But it's even more exceptional when you think about. I mean, again, like McCourty talked about. He, he was a captain in his second year too. I mean, and and, and now and now he's he's going to finally potentially relinquish this to a new group of guys, a new uh, a new generation, and it's just amazing to be a part of it and kind of see how they gravitate to them even still. All right, so let's just go ahead and safely assume, or for the sake of sport radio and discussion, that at the end of this season, whenever it comes, be it next week, the week after, the week after, whatever that Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater do hang him up and retire. James White obviously had to retire a year earlier than he had anticipated yeah. because of the hip injury. Now, of course, he's working the media, doing radio games, podcasts, and more. Devin McCourty, definitely 100% making his way into the media. He is tailor-cut and ready-made. Yeah. Who knows what sort of community or faith-based leadership roles Matthew Slater will be taking on, but they're going to have amazing careers beyond the football field, just like they've had amazing careers in Foxborough, on the football field. Who besides Dietrich Wise do you believe will now take on the new leadership? Like, who will be these mm-hmm. new pillars of the locker room in the Patriot way? Well, one guy that you hear a lot of mention is Juwan Bentley. Is that he's kind of a natural for that role. He's a middle linebacker. And again, he's kind of learned at the feet of, you know, Gerard Mayo, who's, you know, his position coach right mm-hmm. now. Dante Hightower, right? And and mm-hmm. so many so many good players at that position. And and again, he's not necessarily the the guy who leads the pregame huddles, right? Everybody feels it, it seems like a lot of people think the leader's got to be the person who's always out front, always talking. But I feel like when when you hear a bunch of people in the locker room talk about him, got to gravitate towards him. He's he's a guy that that means a lot to this team, to this defense. And so Jawan Bentley is definitely top of mind there. Um you hear things about like obviously Judon, you know, provides you know leadership as being one of the best players on the team. But I feel like you you hear about a lot of those linebackers. Actually, I've heard you know uh, you know like really the entire linebacker group get brought up there. You know, Mac Wilson, Raquan McMillan, Jelani Tavai, you know, all as leaders. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they're they're going to be in good hands for sure. They absolutely will. There's been a drain, obviously, coaching in talent on the sidelines and in the coaching box as well, which the Patriots coaching staff has had to deal with, and potentially they could be without some of the great Patriot Way leaders and Super Bowl champions looking forward. But we also have what is veritably a playoff game to discuss right now as we are joined on the Harbor One Hotline on a Patriots Monday by Patriots captain and special teamer extraordinaire, Mr. Matthew Slater. Matthew, it's a pleasure to speak to you. Happy New Year, sir. Happy New Year. Thank you for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure, Matthew. And, you know, uh, before we get into anything sort of uh, more significant beyond the, the team, yesterday's game, et cetera, um, I want to take a quick look to next week as well. And without making it to the playoffs yet, next Sunday does represent basically a playoff game for you guys. Win and you're in. So how special is that for you to have another kick at the postseason, Cam? Uh, well, it means the world. I mean, that's why you play this game is to have a chance to compete in the postseason. You work year-round uh, to play in games like this, and we're really excited about our opportunity. So, you know, you mentioned it's 
for us, it is a playoff game. I think we're going to approach it with that type of urgency. Uh, our preparation, our effort is going to reflect uh, the same preparation and effort that we would have in a playoff game. And, you know, we're, we're hopeful that we go up there and represent ourselves in the best way possible. Look, Slade, this is a tough Buffalo team. Obviously, uh, they've, they've kind of had the Patriots number a bit over the last couple of years and, and one up in Foxborough. But, but there was that game last year in Orchard Park where, I mean, it, it was a crazy game, but y'all came out on top. When, when you think about how tough this team is, the challenges they present, how do you, you know, really you know, go in there with such long odds and say, you know what? We still believe we are going to beat you. What is the what is the, the the feeling in the locker room knowing what you're going up against this week? Yeah, look, I mean, we understand the way that this league works. Any team can beat any team on any given Sunday. Uh, there's just too much talent, too many good coaches, and the game of football is just that unpredictable. So, yeah, you know, everyone from the outside will look at us and, and look at them and say, oh, this is, you know, a slam dunk for – for the Bills, and that's fine. That's fine by us. You know, all we need is everyone in our locker room, everyone that's in a Patriots uniform, to believe in what we're doing, understand that if we play the game the right way, we'll be in the game, and we'll go from there. I mean, that's the beauty of football. That's why you play the games. Um, and, and as you said, we've gone up there and we've had success as recently as last year. So, you know, we're going to go in there confident, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. New England Patriot leader and special teamer Matthew Slater joining Fitzy and Kyrie on a Patriots Monday via the Harbor One hotline. Uh, Matthew, Buffalo, um, will you potentially, like let's just say some decisions are made, will you miss those fans and what is it like preparing for Buffalo? Not just this excellent team they have, but the venue and um, the fire that comes from, dare I say, uh, the Bills Mafia. (laughs) Well, you know, I have a great deal of respect for the Bills Mafia. Uh, you know, they appreciate the game. They appreciate their team. They make it hard on the opponent, and you really respect that. Uh, that's part of the beauty of the game of football. It's the passion uh, that everybody involved shares when it, when it comes to game day. And, you know, I, I love their fan base. I think it's great. Uh, they've certainly made it hard on us over the years. And you certainly appreciate uh, having been been able to compete in environments like that over the last 15 years, uh, you know, it makes your NFL experience uh, that much better. The pregame antics and, of course, the souvenirs that they lob onto oh, the God. field for you guys. The new one every week. <laughs> 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 new type of projectile every week. Devin talked about, oh, like, you know, maybe being <laughs> his, his last game at, at Gillette Stadium uh, after the game. And I was curious, how much were you thinking about that yesterday and i mean obviously we you know we don't know right there's still games left to play but when it is time for for you to to hang them up do you feel like you're leaving the special teams in good hands with the guys like you know brendan schooler and marcus jones oh absolutely um look i i'm very encouraged by the young group of players that we have obviously brother school has done a tremendous job this year and you know he's exceeded a lot of people's expectations, but the people in the building, he's the player that we thought and believed that he could be, and he's just uh, done a great job for us. Obviously, Marcus is so dynamic with the ball in his hands, and he means a great deal to this team as well. So, 
for us, you know, I feel good about what the future holds for New England Patriots and the special teams. Um, you know, in terms of my situation, I've always said I, I've approached my entire career with the day-by-day mindset. Yeah, yesterday may have been my last game, but I could have said that uh, 10 years ago. You know, just that's just the reality of my situation, my position on the team, uh, my role in the National Football League. So I've always approached every game with a great sense of urgency and gratitude. Yesterday was no different. You know, I said it after the game, yeah, you're you're a little bit more mindful of uh, the situation when you're my age and at the point I'm at in my career. I certainly appreciated yesterday. I certainly tried to take it in and, and enjoy it. But, you know, I also had a job to do, and, and I wanted to make sure I went out there and did the job at a high level. Matthew, have you had any conversations with players about how important it'll be to take the leadership baton, if you will, like the mantle of the Patriot way going forward. You know, James White obviously had to retire a year earlier than he imagined after the hip injury. Uh, yourself, DMAC, could have played your last game at Gillette and could soon be calling it a career for the Patriots. Have you talked to or told people like, hey, we're, they're going to need you. You get this. I need you to be the leader, the next guy, the next me, or the next DMAC for this team? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think in terms of leadership, if you look big picture, you understand that uh, it's not about people. It's about the culture, right? It's not about one guy uh, that defines the culture. It's a collective effort, and it takes generations of players understanding uh, the ideologies and the foundations of the culture, carrying that torch to the best of their ability, and then being intentional when the time comes about passing on the lessons they've learned, um, the the failures they've had, the triumphs they've had to the next generation. So I've certainly taken that to heart these last few years. I've tried to be really intentional about pouring into guys that I see as leaders or potential leaders on our football team. And I don't want all my experience and all the things I've learned to leave when I leave, you know, because I care about – the New England Patriots and the success of that team, and I will probably for the rest of my life. So, you know, I think it's it's a, upon us as leaders, it's our responsibility to to in, be intentional with the next generation and really pour into those guys. And, you know, we've tried to do a good job of that. I hope we've done a good enough job, but I'm certainly encouraged about what the future may hold. Last one for me. How awesome – has it been watching Kyle Duggar become a star? Like, I mean, oh, we, we knew we knew he was good. We knew he was good, but he has been a game changer for about the last, like, five, six weeks. I mean, just taking over games, it feels like. Unreal. Well, let's think about this. Let's let's rewind this back. This guy was playing at Lenore Ryan. I mean, I, I'm sure this guy was a wrecking ball in college. I just can't figure out how. All these Division One programs messed that one up. Um, but to see him become the player that I think we all thought he could become. You, you look at him, he's a freak physically. He's got a great mind for the game. He's got a tremendous work ethic. And it's now all coming together. And, I mean, it is special to watch. And, you know, I think we all feel the same way about it. You know, the first person to say this guy was going to be special was DMAC. I remember us talking about it when he first got here. And what he's doing now for our football team is absolutely tremendous. So 
you know, we wouldn't be in a position we're in to compete for the postseason without him playing at the level that he's played at. And, you know, I hope we can continue to make some game-changing plays moving forward. I'm sure you'll want to reveal uh, on your own terms and in your own time, but is your mind made up about 2023 playing professional football? No, honestly, it's not. Okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to factor into that decision. Um, I've said repeatedly, you know, I, I try to live and stay in the moment. You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So for me, it's just about focusing on uh, what's in front of me now. And, you know, when that, time's come, when that time comes, we'll make that decision as a family, my wife and I, and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. And if – in fact, maybe yesterday was your last game at Gillette, or, and if you do make that decision, uh, what's your favorite memory at Gillette Stadium with the Patriots, and what will you miss most about playing for the Pats? Well, you know, as corny as this may sound, my favorite memory is is running out of that tunnel for the first time in 2008 against the Kansas City Chiefs um, because it was the fulfillment of a childhood dream, a dream that I had ever since I saw my dad run onto a football field and to be able to actualize that dream I realized not a lot of kids are able to do that and I'm just so thankful for that opportunity and you know if you asked me then if I'd still be running out of that tunnel 15 years later I would have said no chance so I'm just filled with a lot of gratitude um, for the people I've come across the people who have poured into my life who have shaped and molded me and impacted my life in tremendous ways Obviously, teammates, coaches, but support staff, trainers, uh, you know, people that work in the in the uh, meal room, I mean, equipment room, you name it. The, those people I'm so thankful for, the fans I'm thankful for, um, the entire experience. I'm just so grateful that the good Lord put me in this position to have this experience, and it's something I'll carry with me the rest of my life. Well, I think I speak on behalf of everyone you've ever spoken to or who's had the pleasure of interviewing you here at this radio station. Of course, no decisions made yet, but on behalf of the station, uh, anyone that you've interacted with and the way, of course, that you've played and represented for the team over the last decade and a half and the many clutch plays and thrills that you've delivered with those championships and beyond, Matthew, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope you continue playing uh, even just beyond next Sunday as well, but... Uh, I just want to say thank you. Wish you the best of luck no matter what in case this is the last time this station gets to chat with you. And all the best next Sunday against Buffalo for a happy new year and beyond. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. All the best to you guys. Thank you, thank so you very much. much. Might see you later this week. <laughs> all right. Sounds all right. good. Take care, Matthew. Take care. You too. Matthew Slater joining Fitzy and Kyrie on a Patriots Monday here via the Harbor One Hotline on WEEI. Now, that guy is awesome. Yeah. I mean... He's the best. You know, it, it really... It, I think like, last like, time I'm, we talked like, to him, Kyrie. Yeah, like, he, I, know, I don't think and, he's contractually obligated to do an appearance if, in fact, the Patriots are eliminated next Monday. Like, Tom Brady's last interview here at the radio station was coming off of that Dolphins game, he didn't... Yeah, when he didn't, they were, didn't come for the wild card. Yeah, no, no absolutely. And you know that's what? That's how it go. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're they're off doing their own thing. The season's over, right? School's yeah. out, right? And essentially, that's it. But I, I just found myself thinking about him running out of that tunnel and what it must have been like. I forgot it, it was in the Brady ACL game, too. Oh, 
my God. He joined wow. the Patriots yeah, with yeah. Gerard oh, Mayo oh, after Super goodness. Bowl 42. That's incredible. Planting the seeds of positivity that ultimately would grow into the second half of the double dynastic run. Like, folk, like my buddy... My buddy George, who I've done all those so many silly videos with over the years, the Pats fan video series and more, like he's the only guy I know that has a Matthew Slater jersey. I'm a grown adult who's way closer. I might have to, to get my own. I might get my. I was just gonna say, like, I don't think I'm gonna get myself one because I'm way closer to AARP than I am NCAA. <laughs> but honestly, I might get one of my kids one. Like, and they might. Who's this guy? And be like, I'll tell you what. This is one of the best players to ever put on this uniform for yours and your father's favorite football team. Trust me. You're wearing a Legends jersey, and anyone that ever says, oh, cool, Matthew Slater, like, that's that's not a jersey you see all the time. That was a football player. Yes. And you'll and you'll be able to wear it one day when he gets enshrined in Canton. Book it. Mark my words. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Total pleasure talking to Matthew Slater on what we hope isn't, but potentially could be his final Patriots Monday appearance here on the radio station. He's been appearing for a long time, a staple on the Mud at Night program. Now, of course, we get the pleasure of talking to him in the afternoons here on WEEI. You got Fitzy and Kyrie here with you till 6 p.m. Give us a shout if you want to talk any and all things Patriots at 617-779-7937. It's like, if only, if, I don't know if we are on Twitch or not, but uh, somebody could have seen me blowing a gasket just a second ago because uh, Tulane, because we got, we got the bowl game up right now, the Cotton Bowl. Tulane's wide receiver busted out, thought he was taking it all the way, and he got tripped up at the five. I'm just like, no, stay on your feet! Yeah, did you not see, did you not see what happened to, like, Make sure you do everything you can to get into the end zone. You saw how, not to get off topic from Matthew Slater to bowl games and college football rules, but you saw how oh my God. giving these college refs oh. a chance to make stupid, Horrible. idiotic, unbearable, unbearably bad calls, like two in the Michigan game alone that were just egregiously bad in my estimation. Number one, that touchdown. By the time, number 14, I think his name's Bell, made the catch. By the time he secured the ball, he was over the goal line. But it's almost like the replay crew decided, well, he started taking possession on the half-yard line, so we'll give it to him there. Now, there's no excuse for, like, the fullback dive and then fumbling the ball immediately, which is a play they only ran nine times all season long. It was I mean, a terrible that, call. Michigan's there, football. Michi- Michigan watched way too many Patriots games and stole the Matt Patricia playbook before they decided to play that game because the Philly special on the goal line, terrible call. That, <laughs> that play was off. God, the Michigan special is even worse than the Philly special. It was so but, bad. Well, the Philly special worked, and the Michigan special was a, a disaster. But between that one and later, with 25 seconds left in the game, the non-targeting call, like if you have targeting, Ooh, the, yeah. the, the definition of it is when you lead with the crown of your helmet into a guy's in, back. Into, like, into his spine. I mean, the kid was lucky that he wasn't hurt. That was the, exactly the way the tackle was made. And those referees decided, we got dinner, Rezies. And also, I don't want to be the enemy of Horned Frog Nation. So I'm just going to call it the way we <clears throat> see it and get up on out of here. Like, My that goodness. was a was a brutally officiated game. You can't do anything to it, put the game. Do not put... In 2023, or actually that was 2022, do not put the game in the ref's hands. 
it, it was one of those deals where it's like, well, you, you can't make that call that late in the game to decide and extend the game yeah, or what have you. Yeah, you can because it's targeting. I'm sorry. It's the man. letter of the you, It's literally the definition. He you you led with his head and hit the guy in the back of the neck. I, like, I, don't, I don't know what else you want to do. You know what? I'm sorry. I don't want to get my blood pressure up over this. Let's talk about how awesome Matthew Slater is slash, you know, what – just just like some of the things he was talking about in terms of, of leadership, what, what's coming up with this game, that you can always count on some good Matthew Slater stuff. You really can. Always. I mean, like, you just won't – as much as he has tried to pass on his knowledge, his experience, his core beliefs and fundamentals – as much as he's tried to imbue that locker room and this team with uh, his his spirit and his leadership and what the Patriot way is all about, you just can't – you're not going to find and replace Matthew Slater. There will never be another guy like that, not anytime soon, certainly not in the Bill Belichick era and maybe never again in Foxborough. And Bill Belichick said that himself. He, he said that in, in the press room. He said, I'm not sure we're ever going to see a player like Matthew Slater on special teams, like that kind of player in the NFL again. And I mean the longevity, the, the the Pro Bowls. I mean, it's like yeah, you you grew up with two certainties, uh, you know, it, it grow, growing up from from outside of here and being tangentially familiar with the New England Patriots. You knew two things were going to happen every year. Tom Brady was going to have the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game, and Matthew Slater was going to be making the Pro Bowl as the special teams ace every Wash, single year. Rinse, repeat. Yes. Because, I mean, look, he's like that. And the other thing is, I, it's been fun the last couple of years watching him take guys under his wing. And you always had an idea of which guy was going to, whether it be on the practice squad or make the team, because they started working with him. At, at some point during training camp where it's like, oh, yeah, this receiver was kind of like was looking pretty good. But, you know, you thought he was a long shot for the roster or in Brendan Schooler's case. I mean, he's a he's a safety or you know, what have you. But every time he actually played defense, he looks completely lost. But boy, he, you, you would see him during those opening practice drills, hanging out with Slate, Pierre Strong, hanging out with Slate and doing doing the, you know, the downfield, you know, punt gunning drills blocking drills, punt protection drills, or whatever it is. And you always had an idea of the guys that he took under his wing, they were going to make the team, or or they were going to be on the team in some capacity because they knew, I like to think this, they knew that the best way for them to latch on was to get as close to that guy as possible and soak it in as much as possible. For sure. Uh, Something else. Just That was... uh... That was a legitimate thrill, and I really hope it's not the last time that we talk to him here at the radio station. But I mean, just same, in case, same with Dmac. Yeah, I mean, same with Dmac. It, it was getting—he's the best. Getting to interview those two guys Great on dudes. the station mm-hmm. was—is this different? I mean, obviously, we we talked to Mac Jones earlier, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's he's still a young player, and and obviously he's he's got the programming down pretty well, but <sighs> totally I, on yeah, script. But but I mean, when it comes to to Dmac and 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 Slay, I mean, and I I interviewed Dmac last year. For you know, kind of a heavy story, you know about you know his feelings on um, you know the Black Lives Matter movement and 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 the George Floyd you know killing and the aftermath of that and how he was feeling um, you know throughout summer and fall because he had some pretty pointed comments about that um, you know later in in twenty twenty in later in twenty twenty and early in twenty twenty one and so I, I I interviewed him about that because I, I wanted to get his perspective on where things were. And I learned some really heavy stuff about Devin McCourty that day that made me just think, wow, 
I mean, he's been through some stuff, you know, and and I mean, he, his perspective is still so amazing. He's and a re- he really great. Carry, and there's a brightness about him, not just the intelligence, but like overall, like he's the kind of guy that comes and brings like. He brings light into the room in a lot of ways. Like, he's got a glow about him. He's definitely a temperature changer, a very magnetic personality as well. Now, in order for the Patriots to continue their season, in order to have another Patriots Monday and Patriots Friday where you would hear from Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty, they will need to, well, there are a couple of different scenarios that could play out next week. Of course, win and they're in. It's as simple as that, beating the Buffalo Bills. The NFL has just announced, I thought they might wait until tonight mm-hmm. after the Bills-Bengals game to try to get as many people as possible to tune in, do a little SVP sports center action. But nope, they just released a little schedule dump for Week 18, 4 o'clock on New Year's Day observed. All right, so here we go. Uh, you can get all this at NFL.com, but here's what's up. The NFL has announced Monday that the Packers, the Packers, goal, pack, goal, We'll host the Lions on Sunday Night Football. That is locked in and scheduled kickoff at 8.15 from Green Bay. Detroit gets into the playoffs with a win plus a Seahawks loss to the Rams. And the Packers, they win and they're in regardless of what happens with the Seahawks. That's for the seventh seed in the NFC. The NFL also announced Sunday Week 18 will feature a Saturday doubleheader. We know that's Chiefs against Raiders, 4.30 p.m., with an actual playoff game at 8.15 p.m. next Saturday night, Titans at Jaguars for the highly coveted 8-9 AFC South. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. If the Bills beat the Bengals tonight, yes, Week 17 Monday Night Football, the Week 18 Ravens-Bengals game will be played at 4.25 p.m. Eastern on CBS with the winner clinching the AFC North. Hmm. If Cincinnati defeats Buffalo... The Ravens-Bengals game will be moved to 1 p.m. Obviously, the 4.25 p.m. slot, a bit more coveted in terms of ratings and mm-hmm. viewership for what could be a play-in game. And the rest of, that's the only other variable. Here's the rest of your schedule. Cleveland-Pittsburgh, 1 o'clock. Pittsburgh has a chance to also win and get in if, A, the Jets defeat Miami, and, B, the Patriots lose to the Bills. Patriots, as Joe announced just a few minutes ago and trending, It's locked in for 1 o'clock next Sunday. So it's not a 4 o'clock window. It's not Sunday Night Football. Patriots at Bills, 1 o'clock. Any other games of interest that would bear announcing? Detroit at Green Bay, that's Sunday Night Football. Chargers, Denver. At the same time, the Jets are playing the Dolphins. That's right. So they got them in the same window. There we go. So Jetropolitans at the Finns. And we have no idea who's going to be starting. I'm pretty sure it's not Tua. It might be Bridgewater. There's a good chance it could be. Mike White and the Jets, yeah. eliminated from the postseason, but still playing for pride against a division rival in Miami against the Dolphins. Yeah. Basically, the, 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 yeah, I mean, the Woo. way I see it, we will know the Let's Patri- go. We will know the Patriots' fate by about four twenty-five. Just in next time Sunday for the morning. Six Rings postgame show, yep. live right here on WEI until seven thirty. At which point we go to Westwood One's coverage of Detroit at Green Bay on Sunday Night Football. Yes, like I've done so, that a few so times. I'm, so I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean. Yeah, I mean, there you go. By the time this game is over, basically, you will know if the Patriots are going to be in the playoffs or not. I like it that way because we'll also know we'll have the the Jaguars-Titans domino out of the way already. Um, And again, this is all us kind of assuming that Buffalo is going to win this game, which, I mean... I refuse. Refuse to assume, Kyrie. I refuse! If... 
if we're talk if we're just talking about what's most likely to happen, that is the most likely scenario to happen. Um, I will I will feel I will admittedly feel a bit different about this team if they actually won because I'm not expecting them to win. But I mean, look at at the same time, you can say they backed in. If it works out, you can say they backed into the playoffs, and uh, you know it's not that impressive. What have you? There there's almost like a the glass half full version of this is that look at how bad some of this was. The fact that you got stomped on by a Bears team that is in contention for the number one overall pick right now. They, they've got an outside stomped. chance of being the worst team in the league, and they, and, you, and they got stomped out by that team. And then you threw away Houston two games Houston would have in a to row. beat Indianapolis, and the Bears would have and to the lose. And Col- the Colts are going to start Sam Ellinger. So, oh, come on. Yeah. So, so that, oh, that, that, Saturday. That, could be, that could be a thing. Now, here, and the uh, Minnesota plays at Chicago in a game that is thoroughly meaningless for Minnesota. Completely. So, so I mean, they might not play. Actually, I think we've already seen that Minnesota is not planning on playing their starters. But, but to to get back to to the other matter here, like it is, it is entirely possible that you know you you could you could say yeah, it's not that big a deal. It's not um, you know that that impressive. But they're still they're still in the hunt despite all the bad despite the fact that they didn't have a competent offense for basically the entire season. The fact that they threw away two straight winnable games down the stretch, where it's like they didn't even want to make the playoffs. They still had a chance. And look, if you make it to the dance, technically you have a chance. 617-779-7937. Since Kyrie is basically already kicking the Patriots out of the postseason club, and I am refusing to adopt a mentality of losing... I dare you to call up and tell me why you, the Patriots fans listening right now, believe the Patriots have a chance, if not how the Patriots will win next Sunday. 617 Or tell me I'm out of town stupid. <laughs> 7937, that's the number. It's a Patriots Monday here on WEEI with Fitzy and Kyrie. Well, hopefully it's excited energy, but at the same time, I think there's everybody has to understand the urgency that it's a one-game season. Uh, there's no... There's no other chances. There's no next week. There's no get it next time. Uh, next time's next year. So we we need to win this week. We need to play our best game this week, and that's what we're all going to prepare to do. Players, coaches, and everybody involved is to is to put our best out there. Um, you know, against a team that's you know one of the top, if not the top, team in the AFC. The final countdown has been initiated. Win and you are in. And it's the win part that a lot of people really around these parts and throughout Patriots Nation don't really seem to be so in on. But you know what? I have died on more unpopular hills throughout the course of my fandom broadcast career and more. So why now back off the place that I am my most comfortable? It's Fitzy and Kyrie here on a Patriots Monday. On WEEI earlier in the program, we were joined by Mac Jones, quarterback of the Patriots, as we are often on a Patriots Monday. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, we were joined by Matthew Slater. Both interviews are available as podcasts at WEEI.com. And, of course, when you subscribe to podcasts on Spotify, Apple Pods, Podbean, and so much more, as is First in Foxborough, hosted by Kyrie, and Six Rings and Football Things, co-hosted by myself, and Andy Jumbo Hart. You could use the Odyssey app as well to rewind and catch either of those interviews as well. Yeah, okay, fine. So 
Bill I, Belichick knows they have to approach it like a playoff game. Matthew Slater said they're preparing like it's a playoff game. Does that really matter, though, when you are facing both immovable, immovable force and uh, irresistible force and immovable object in Buffalo? I mean, basically the only thing that you can bank on here or, or that, you, that you hope for when you hear that kind of quote is you're not going to come out flat and unprepared and you're not going to have the flagging energy that I think plagued them a little bit in that first Foxborough matchup and the Thursday wow. night football game Andrew Callahan wow that the call was reversed that's a touchdown to Lane wow going to thrilling co- is game. the cotton bowl down to the last second there has been some incredible what a football well now there's an extra point that still needs to get made of course extra oh, points yeah. in college football are much shorter than they are in the pros but it looks like Tulane is going to shock USC, USC. Who had a chance to go undefeated and make the college football playoffs? Of course, they have the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, future number one overall a, pick, a future Caleb potential Williams, num- and that Caleb, is up. wow, and it is good it with is up, nine seconds left. That's been a that's been a fun little commercial wow. rush right there. Oh, that's been that's some been, good bowl game. Like oh, the, the first couple of weeks of bowl incredible. games. I mean, the are these your nachos bowl? Um, the is it his or hers bowl, the barstool bowl, the we Jimmy Kimmel bowl, We don't bowl, talk whatever. about those. those. Those don't count. I'm talking about this weekend. The this last weekend couple days of bowl electric. games have been awesome. Oh, yeah. Awesome. New Year's Eve, I didn't need to make plans. I had eight hours of electrifying football, and we just happened to sprinkle in some New Year's food and beverages with some quality company in there. Took us literally straight up to midnight, right up until Ohio State missed that kick as the ball dropped. I was literally like, I, I had the, the whole... Uh, you know, I had the champagne in one hand. I somehow had three hands. Uh, I, I, I don't know how, right. but I but I had champagne in one. I had champagne in one. Was I it champagne some... or was it cava or prosecco? It was actually champagne. All right, one. look at Kyrie so, yeah, so, springing for the goods. Yeah, so so it was champagne, and then I had Bacardi Reserve in the other hand. I got what that are we from Puerto doing? Rico. That was some good stuff. Wow, is, living out loud, sipping rum. You got to be and, then, down, and you got to be down there for the pregame show and game day and oh everything. Oh yeah, I made, I made it out there and everything. But I had that. I had the phone going with the, with the radio call while it was going on because I couldn't stream it at the time. So uh, so yeah, I, I heard that kick as it was happening. But here's I have a question. It wasn't for you. wasn't close. No, not not even remotely. I I do have a question for you. Okay, okay. might have an answer. What is the Okay, great. We're gonna we're gonna prepare as hard as we can. What is the game plan for you to to see the Patriots actually beat the Bills? What do you think needs to happen? Okay, so my three point plan yes. for the Patriots defeating the Buffalo Bills. Number one, the defense is the star of the game. Defense absolutely the MVP of the game is the defense all around. From Barmore, Judon, Uche. Our guy Dietrich all generating a qualified pass rush and also limiting the runs. Back in January, my God, Singletary had, could go any which way he oh wanted to. God. James Cook pretty much had his choice of running lanes back in November Guys during the Thursday Night Football debacle. Around. They lost the line of scrimmage. They lost the war in the trench. Something wicked in that game. Like it was, it was, it was embarrassing. It was, if if not embarrassing, at least lopsided. And of course. You can't let Steph Diggs eat your lunch once again. You can't give up long passes to Gabe Davis. You actually have to put a body and you can't lose Dawson Knox in coverage. The defense has to be the star. Number two, no turnovers. Efficient offense. A decent running game with some opportunistic third-down passes from Mac Jones. And number three, there's got to be a defense or a special team score. 
If you can limit Josh Allen, the Patriots tend to win more games than they lose when they keep their opponent under 20 points. If you can get Buffalo to play down to the level that they have in recent week at times, not all the time, at times, with the best defensive effort you've put forth all season long, the offense not to shoot itself in the foot and find ways to snatch victory or at least competency from the jaws of defeat or or the jaws of victory or competition and get one more score, an eighth. Yes, I know, when they already have seven, which is absurd, ridiculous, obscene at all. You just need one other score. That's what you're going to need to stay close to, if not possibly pull off the upset against Buffalo. To me, same to to uh, you know do my own three point plan here. I would say that's probably number one. Mm-hmm. Is you must take advantage of the opportunities that Josh Allen will give you because he will give you. Got to be them. a couple. You you simultaneously must stop the run on your end of things, and you must be able to run the football on your end. And I realize that that is probably asking way too much of this team. They haven't been able to block up the run very well, even when they weren't facing Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau, right? I mean, it's already going to be tough enough, but you got to be able to do it. And I'm hoping, because look, Ramondre is dog-tired. Ramondre Stevenson is exhausted. Leaned on him way too much. Andy and I were talking about that a month ago, that he probably was exhausted the way they've leaned on him. He he has been Atlas, just just holding this entire thing up on his shoulders and trying to walk around, trying to run it into the end zone every single time. He's tired. Damian Harris was able to, and again, I know it didn't look like much, but there was a little bit of juice in in those legs. I feel like it was like that before Damian got hurt as well. Little bit of a little limpage in the locker room after the game. He's clearly still feeling that thigh Damon injury. Harris? Yeah, yeah, but but he but he played. He played. He's also looking very scruffy. Clearly did not shave. Damon Harris yesterday nine carries for thirty two yards. Ramondre eight carries for forty two. Not exactly a banner game on the ground once again. But we haven't seen a banner ground game from the Patriots save for the Raiders game. Yeah. in quite some time. Yes. And then my third point is you have to get Josh Allen on the ground because how many times have we seen in in these in these big important games these big important moments where you see a guy coming at him uninhibited and you think yes this is it this is it get him on the ground and he runs to the right sideline he throws the guy against off, his like, body like, like he's yeah. a, like he's a teddy bear yep and then he throws a freaking touchdown pass a, he doesn't throw a touchdown he throws a he throws a laser like <sighs> he throws against his body off platform Nobody throws better. I even with Patrick Mahomes, no one throws a faster, more accurate ball in the NFL there, off platform than Josh. There Allen. are times when he throws a football where I think that it's like it, it, it's got to be bad special effects, like it's comically sped up. It's it it can't be real. It's it's literally out of his hands, like like a gunshot, like a cannon blast, it's unreal, right? Like like a projectile. Somebody loaded a trebuchet to his arm yeah. and and you know un- cut the cord and it's just flying into the end zone and you wonder how the receiver doesn't die when it hits his hands. But like for example, the the play that gets me right. So everybody talks about the play that um, they didn't you know play all the way to the whistle in on that Thursday night game to the sideline and people kind of forget to cover Gabe Davis and he catches the touchdown. Mac Wilson came flying in like a bat out of hell on that play when he broke contain. They knew it was coming. He had him dead to rights, and Allen just, with his off arm, just shrugged him off and threw him to the ground and then proceeded to throw that touchdown pass with his foot like two centimeters from the end, from, from the, the out-of-bounds line. And it, but, but, yeah, I get it. He, he, he is a, he's a horse. He is Ben Roethlisberger on steroids, like from, from back in the day. 
but you got to tackle the guy. Got to do it. Got to do it. Got to get him down. That's your three-point plan. That's my three-point plan. What's your three-point plan, Pats fans? What's your any plan for how the Patriots could defeat the Bills? 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. When we come back, fourth and final hour of Fitzy and Kyrie here on WEI. An interesting report from Burt Breer on some offensive discord or at least ownership's displeasure with how things are going offensively. Be curious if moves get made immediately. How soon after whenever the end of the season takes place for the Patriots could some changes be brought about in Foxborough? We'll get to that. Your calls and more in the final hour here. 15 Kyrie, Pat's Monday, WEI.